Portions of this show have been pre-recorded. Uh, yeah, it's a podcast rebroadcast. All of it is pre-recorded. You big dummy. Drink a coffee there and see if I can't get uh, get the microphone all adjusted here. That's what happens when you get in the seat at the very last minute, you know, and you have that call to go to the bathroom. And, you know, here at this station, I still haven't gotten the uh, the key to the bathroom here. They still don't trust me that much. I've been here for, like, I guess going on eight years now. And they're like, well, we don't really want you to have access to everything in the office. So it's a filling station right down the road. So I have to run down there and use the bathroom, run back down here and open the door and get in here and get back on the air. So that's what happened. I didn't get on the air quick enough. You think they'll ever finally give me uh, access to the restrooms here? I think that would be nice. You had access to them for a while. Yeah, so come on. here longer. I know, a lot longer. <laughs> you would do a lot more, too. They finally decided hey, we're tired of cleaning up the mess in the corner. To this day, thinking about it, and we've talked about this off the air, I still think this radio station is WBHF. I think maybe they ought to think about changing it to WAJS, your your initials, because of all the stuff you do here. I don't yeah. know if that's what you're pushing for, because you're on all the shows, you do everything. No. Jack of all trades, you're just here. You're that's, like, no, everybody's just not willing to do it. That's <laughs> so I don't know how to say no. <laughs> No, you don't I take, really. That's, I okay. really take it as a privilege and an honor, uh, and I will never. I know you, you and to... I are the same way. We would never just assume. No, no, I'm here. Everyone, shut up. You know, no, no, yeah, no gonna, way. I'm not right. It, to me, it's a it. It's a privilege. Period. It is, but I know you say it, you you don't know how to say no. I know how to make you say no, and I'll tell you how to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Imagine yourself. On in an airplane in an airliner seat, and someone's behind you, and they go, "Hey, hey, I'm gonna take my shoes off and prop them up uh, in the open spot in between your seat there because I need to stretch out and relax. You don't mind, do you?" Yeah, no, I'd I'd, I'd get thrown off the plane. I'm sure, <laughs> but the, you'd say no though, right? The, in a certain way, the 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 <laughs> flight marshal and I would end up becoming well acquainted with one another after that. But the whole time he's leading you off the plane, he'd be like, "Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you 100. I, I would have done it too, but I got I got I got to get you off. Sorry, yeah. I got to get you off the plane. Yeah, <laughs> I have to escort you off. But I I admire what you did. There there are very few things that I would have a hard time doing. <laughs> But if you told me I had to talk for two hours about feet, that's not oh, and we could do a whole show or a whole segment rather on people on planes that have absolutely no idea that there are other people on the plane with them, and it's just, it goes those are the same people that are in the movie theater, right? The same thing. I think it falls in the category it's of the just same lack person. of self awareness. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting once, and you know. Boy, do I wish you and I could have flown in the 50s and the early 60s. Have you seen the photos of people in a jet in those up times? like you were going to a business meeting. But the insides of the planes were so wide, and you had, there were like mm. couches, and they were palatial. And they brought by, and they're like, here's your, here's your food. You know, and it was like a prime rib with a, with, with the side of it with a baked potato and, and some steamed broccoli and stuff. It was great. I'm sorry, 50s, boiled broccoli, but that's okay. <laughs> but you're, it, was, it was awesome. But, you know, it was different back then. It would have been nice. Well, now we know, even in, we don't fly first class, but we don't fly coach either. We fly like in the, whatever the middle part business of the plane class. is, business class or whatever. We, we flew that. Last time we went to California, we flew business. And, you know, in, in those settings, you have the plane seat in front of you. And uh, But when we flew out there, Stacy made it a, a point. She's like, listen, I'm going to get uh, 
uh, a seat where we're in front of the emergency exit, so it's nothing in front of us. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's great. I love those seats. But flying back, we were in a seat behind another row of seats. And you know, you have the you have the TV screen where you can either look at you can look at the map where your plane is, or you watch a movie or whatever. But they're fairly close to you. And you have the, the tiniest tray to flip down. I'm like, wait, when I flip this tray down, it's on my chest. Now I really can't move. But they're so close anyway. Well, there's a lady. I never had a problem with the person behind me in the feet thing that you had. That was bad. And by the way, there's a newsflash story today that I specifically gave to you that's about feet. So you, you can read that. Because I, I want to watch your See, face. That's the kind of friend you are. I want to watch your face when you read it. Well, it's not, it's not really gross, but it's just talking about uh, it's a feet story. So it's kind of funny. So I'm sitting there, and a lady in front of me with um with long hair she just decides oh i'll just i'll just you know pull my you know because sometimes ladies with long hair their hair will get down like in their collar and they have to pull it out of the back of their their clothes and she pulls it out and just flips it up and it goes up and over her back of her seat just right over it and i'm just staring at her hair you know and i'm like i don't want any hair in my food or anything like that so so you know you're kind of trapped too you know in a plane because number one you don't want to you don't want to make a lot of waves in a plane at uh at thirty thousand feet in right. the air because there's nowhere to go because you get in an argument with someone like i gotta be stuck by this person i just argued with for two and a half hours so you kind of be quiet and diplomatic about it so you know you know the feeling yeah somebody just some people have no idea where they are or here's the thing number one they really are stupid and they don't know where they are the second uh, possibility, there are two possibilities. The second possibility is they do know what they are, and they really don't give a crap. That's it's it. just all about them. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so Don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Don't and get me started on a theater. if you choose to challenge them, they somehow turn it into you're attacking them. All right. And the very As fact that they can't they didn't they can't earn tell. the ire. Yes. <laughs> The fact that everyone, that's why I told people where, where some people would go, you know, I, I can't believe it. I, I, everybody, you know, no one talks to me anymore. I'm like, what do you mean no one talks to you anymore? It's like, well, they just, I, I try to call people and do things, and everybody seems to be avoiding me, and, and they don't, uh, don't want to be around me anymore. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, well, what's wrong with them? <laughs> it's like, is it them, or maybe Must is be it maybe you? Everybody maybe. else. <laughs> everybody it can't wrong. possibly be you. What does. What does River Phoenix playing young Indiana Jones at the beginning of Last Crusade say when he's when he comes out and they're they're out in the West and they're looking at their cave Is searching his everyone's lost but what me. Mean? And that's like, no, you're lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're in the right place. So uh, those Pet are the peeve. kind of people, Pet those peeve. special people that you just you just that's where the southern expression, oh bless their heart. Yes, you're special. Aren't if, you special? If you are new to the South and someone <laughs> looks at you after you get done make complaining about something that's really dumb and they go oh bless your heart yeah that's not saying that oh bless your heart that's like oh you poor you stupid big dummy <laughs> you, big, you dummy. big dummy that's what that means you big dummy. it's just in the south it's a <laughs> yes. genteel more civilized way right. to say it now we did oh, go see I, 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 I reviewed it last week wakanda forever but again it's a theater experience you go to the movie theater and you want to see a movie Note to everyone, I've said it before, you've said it before, and we'll say it again. A public movie theater where you go see a movie is not your living room at home. It's not. It's not. It's a movie theater with everybody else. Please I don't respectful. care if you have reclining chairs now in these theaters. I don't care if you have reclining chairs. I don't care. You don't if, get on your phone. You need to be on time just to get there. I don't care. You can come in during the previews. That irks me a little bit because I like watching trailers. But, you know, don't be walking in front of me in the middle of the... I mean, if your bladder's busting, I know you got to get up and go to the bathroom. That's different. But just get seated. Open everything you have first. Don't 
don't wrap and take the cellophane I have greatest my, hits wrap I have and open bag it up. Of Brock's candies <laughs> in the cellophane <laughs> yellow wrappers. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this movie. Oh, stop it, please! Don't slurp that cup either. When it's empty, it's empty. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Just stop it! Hey, kids, how would you like to hear this on the screen instead of the great show you came to see? That's what you sound like. Honest. Please cooperate and do your part in keeping this theater quiet so everyone, including you, can enjoy it. I remember lots of adults and kids, too, paid admission to enjoy the show. We must insist on absolute quiet. We'll return after these messages. Hey, shut up. Harvey, want anything special for your birthday? Just a decent cup of coffee. You're kidding. I'm serious. Honey, your coffee's undrinkable. That's pretty harsh. Well, so's your coffee. You know, the girls down at the office make better coffee on their hot plates. Well, see you later. And he didn't even kiss me goodbye. You know, if I could just make a decent cup of coffee, I could relax. So, relax. Why don't you try instant Folgers? Tastes good as fresh perked. Good as fresh perked? I'll surprise Harvey for his birthday tonight. Hey, great coffee. It's instant Folgers. Doesn't it taste good as fresh perked? Better. Better than those girls make at the office. Honey, their coffee can't hold a candle to yours. Instant Folgers taste good as fresh perked. Try it. Mmm, peanut butter. Mmm, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> You got peanut butter on my chocolate. Well, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Bravissimo. Two yeah. great tastes that taste great together. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Real milk chocolate. Good old-fashioned peanut butter. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Sorry, miss. I was giving myself an oil job. And now, back to a guy who has no idea what a call of encroachment means, but he knows what roughing the listener is all about. It's BK on the air. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. In 1971, Norman Lear's classic All in the Family hit the airwaves as a perfect blend of extreme comedy, controversial subject matter, and real-world drama. While it would normally be an actor's dream come true, for Sally Struthers, being on the show came with some serious turmoil. When she was offered the lead in a film, Day of the Locusts, she considered what little she did on the show and felt she could easily pull double duty. But Norman told her no, adding with multiple series on the air, he didn't want to start a trend. To say the least, Sally was disappointed. But during the very next season, Lear decided to let Rob Reiner star in a film titled Fire Sale. This set Sally on fire. She hired a lawyer in a failed attempt to leave the show, claiming a sexist atmosphere. In protest, she wore a shirt to rehearsals, which read, Prisoner of Rehearsal Hall 2. Director John Rich was yet another challenge for Struthers. One day during a huge blowout, Sally's gesture caused him to kick a chair, breaking his foot. 
Norman investigated, bringing the crew together for answers. Carol O'Connor sided with Sally. Gene Stapleton remained neutral, but when it came time for Rob Reiner, he pointed out that he and the other cast members would never be mistreated, and then he capped it with, so the only one left to pick on is Sally, and he does it all the time. The very next season, a new director named Paul Bogart was at the helm, making Sally Struthers much more content. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the golden rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the Air. Thank you, Pat, for that trip into the golden rage of TV like you do every Saturday, by the way. If you haven't heard Pat's new podcast that he has, it's called the Golden Rage of TV Trivia on his uh, YouTube page. Check it out because everything Pat seems to touch and do is <laughs> is, uh, is really nice, and I, I'm a big fan of Pat McCormick. I'm glad he's part of the program. Do you Did you ever watch the uh, – talk about Sally Struthers. Did you ever watch the – 70s cartoon uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam when they were teenagers they were grown yeah. up you know and everything yeah. and I went for a long time as a kid not thinking about it but I'm like where have I heard that voice talking for Pebbles before oh that's Sally Struthers from All the Family but doing Pebbles voice but did she also voice. do the Little Pebbles I don't think she did the Little Pebbles in the old 60s cartoon I, I, I never saw her did. do that I thought I'd, well, maybe I'd have I'd, to look that up but I'm not I'm not sure but could uh, be just the fact that it's one of those things where I'm I assume somebody told me so it must have been right and she didn't really talk a lot in the old in the old show she was like Right. Stuff like that. But I'd have to look that up and say, I don't think she did. But now that you listen to the um, to the voices on Pe- the Pebbles and Bam Bam show, you can tell it's Sally Struthers because she just has that very – the tones of her voice are very recognizable. She has that voice. Do you know who spoke for um, – do you know who spoke for Bam Bam on that Pebbles and Bam Bam show when they were teenagers? That was Jay North, the guy that played Dennis the Menace. Oh, on okay. television. So, and uh, he used to go around. They used to all go around to uh, conventions and sign autographs and stuff like that, which was good. Bam! Stop yelling at the little fellow. One whole chip faster, faster to the chip. Oh no! Daddy, what's wrong? I can't talk. I, I got laryngitis. Oh, that's awful. You'd better go home and rest your voice. Yeah, All in the Family, probably one of my favorite classic sitcoms of all time. If I had to had to throw some in there, I, I, would, I would talk about the Honeymooners, All in the Family, uh, Sanford and Son with uh, with Red Fox. <laughs> Another thing that you and I are big fans of are the char- is the character Indiana Jones that Harrison Ford plays. Mm-hmm. Now, say what you want about the, the fourth film that came out. We weren't really big fans of it, and it wasn't for just. It wasn't just because we didn't like it. We had we had very <laughs> we had very what we thought legitimate and good reasons for not enjoying Indiana Jones and the, the what is it the Crystal Skull? I Crystal mean, Skull, yes, the but, Kingdom Kingdom of the Crystal. See, I can't skull. even remember the title to the movie. I've tried to block it out of my mind so much. Let, let's start with the good. We'll get that okay. out of the way. I did like the beginning of the the the, 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 the what we call the the, the pre credit. Action sequence. They decided to throw those into Indiana Jones films, kind of mm-hmm. like a James Bond scene to set the tone for the film. I did like the scene where he's out and he winds up he winds up out in the nuclear bomb testing site where he had to crawl into the refrigerator and it blew up and he got out of it and he's okay. Because to me that was kind of an Indiana Jones moment. Indiana Jones did things like that. He in in the um, 
in the Temple of Doom. They're they're running away from the from the thuggy guards from the Temple of Doom, and they're they're escaping down a mine shaft and mine cars that are on like a train rail. Well, at one point the rail they, they there's a big gap in the rail where it's broken, and they jump over it, go up into the air, you know. And what are the chances of landing exactly on the other side on the rail? Zero, unless you're Indiana Jones. So to me, that's kind of an Indiana Jones thing that he does. He has, he has a. If he was a role-playing character, he'd have, he had a, he'd have a huge luck factor. Oh, roll for luck <laughs> to get a, mm-hmm. to the luck save, and and uh, Indiana Jones is just that way. I don't have a problem with that. I did like the whole story about uh, it being set in the fifties, about maybe in the beginning when they were when they were lost in the warehouse and they and they bumped into the ark that was still in the crate and stuff. I like that throwback. But there was a lot of there's a lot of I liked John Williams score. John Williams always delivers, you know, when he does a soundtrack and stuff. But there was so much not going for Crystal Skull that I, I the more I sit there in the theater I'm like, I'm so happy to see another new Indiana Jones movie. Here it goes, the title. There's the Paramount logo. Oh, they incorporated the Paramount logo into the first scene like they always do that's great okay it's a mound it's a gopher mound but okay i'll take it mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what they did but i'm watching it and i'm like okay this is uh, 20 minutes into it the more that movie goes on the more it's almost like you, you notice well i'm on a nice drive through the mountains here it's fairly beautiful and everything now i've reached the top of the drive now i'm going downhill i'm coming down off the mountain in my car which is great wait a minute my brakes aren't working that great okay oh wait a minute i'm going fa- oh no my brakes don't work i'm gonna crash at the end of that to me that's how that movie i look at being. it similarly but a little different <laughs> If you were to break individual moments out as if these were just little mini yes. sections. Little vignette Like, scenes, we're just yeah. going to show this fight in this base. There. And it ends with a, a guy being put on a rocket sled. I'm like, wow, right. that's a well-choreographed. That's an Indiana Jones scene. That's If really you look good, at yeah. the car ch- or the motorcycle chase through campus, that was, sliding under the books, and, like, that's a nice... Yeah. But when you start to string them together, you go, none of this fits well. And in fact, the more you try to tack on, right. the more it feels like I'm trying to hold a handful of marbles, and, the, and right. I can't keep them from... Or, or you're trying to hold the sand and crawl, and your life's running out of your hands like in crawl. It, and you get to the end, and you go, it wasn't and worth it. And then the ending happens. It and just, you're like, none of it what? was worth it. Yeah. None of it. <laughs> and of don't, it. don't ask any logic questions no. about, well, where did this happen in the storyline, and right. how did this... Cause, You'll eventually go. There's not none of this should have happened. It's almost ever. like they were in the room discu- dis- discussing the movie. They're like, okay, we've come up with about four great action sequences because it's Indiana Jones. Now we need to put a story around it to connect them all. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's not the way you write. Would it be cool? Would it be <laughs> cool? Not the way you do it. Okay. You write a story, then you create the action se- action sequence after that to kind of do that. Well, also, I-, I was very underwhelmed by a lot of the performances in the film too. Karen Allen was terrible as Marion coming back as Marion. I don't know you what could was tell wrong. She was just. I don't I'm know happy to be doing something. I don't know what was right. I don't know I what I'm doing, but time. I'm happy. <laughs> you want me to say what? Sure, I'll read that dialogue. I'll do that dialogue. Yeah. Uh, John Hurt was kind of wasted as the totally as the bizarre wasted. guy who's losing his mind and stuff. I understand the character and what they're trying to do, but it didn't. What he playing? He was Raven was her dad, right? Right. Because they mentioned him in the first film. Uh, your dad, uh, uh, Ravenwood. I can't remember his uh, his first name. Uh, what else? The, the a lot a lot of the CGI looked terrible. In, in the Crystal School, and you can't you can't excuse that because that's no. ILM doing that. 
That's Spielberg, Lucas. No, they were that's trying their company. that whole new thing of we don't have to actually be in a jungle. We can put <laughs> right. some cars on gimbals and we'll yeah. make it look like you're running through the jungle. The lighting was really wrong and weird and off. It looked like they were trying to do sunlight shining through the, 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 the trees, through the jungle. And we it just learned that weirdness weird. throughout the whole thing. Even yeah. It worked in the beginning. Like right. the opening scene where yeah. it's like it's almost like we're looking at a comic book version. Right. The way they lit it. But it's it, that didn't hold. Once again, right. moments great. <laughs> right. String them together doesn't work. And uh, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, and I guess he was okay, but he was already okay. I'm I'm, I'm moving into the uh, the grumpy old man mm-hmm. type thing. So so I don't know what to expect, but I do. Ha- I have I have three kind of stories that are related to Indiana Jones. Well, two Indiana Jones. One, all of them are related to Steven Spielberg in a way. But let's do this one first. I did put this on Facebook, but I was waiting because I'm like, is this really happening? Because the more people, the more legitimate sites that start reporting something, like oh. Maybe this is real because if it if that's if it's out on one website called we love sci-fi stories.com and I'm like that's the only place I've read this and they have 20 followers I'm not going to put much truth into that but this story it looks like it's going to happen because this is from Variety the Indiana Jones TV series is eyed for Disney Plus and they actually attach the word exclusive to it the Mouse House and Lucasfilm has specifically been bringing up the possibility of a streaming show set in the world of the globe-trotting archaeologist. In general meetings with writers of late, many reliable sources say, Variety says, they're still looking for a writer to take on the project, thus no plot details are available. Now, given that, it is unknown whether a series would serve as a prequel or a spinoff of the film franchise, or if it would tie into the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film, which is yet uh, untitled, similar to how Disney has tied its Marvel shows on Disney Plus into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how they've done the Star Wars streaming shows as well. The move to potentially develop an Indiana Jones show comes as Harrison Ford has stated that he is done. He's done, he says. He's wiped his hands of it, playing the character after the fifth film, which I think maybe that's a good... That's a good uh, he might have should have been done say, last though, time. And I don't know how much say-so he has, but no one <laughs> else is know. ever playing this role. Yeah, I think that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek funny statement. Uh, that fifth film, which is due out in 2023, in addition, sources say Disney's currently exploring a number of options to keep the franchise going, which would mean a series, maybe new films, other media, or a combination of... Of both now, reps from Lucasfilm declined declined to comment. Now, should a series move forward, it would not be the first show about Indiana Jones to make it to air. You remember the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles aired for two seasons on ABC from 1992 to 1993, with four made-for-TV specials airing on the Family Channel, now called Freeform, between 94 and 96. Now, Ford made a cameo appearance in one episode, but the show focused primarily on the early years of the character with Sean Patrick Flannery and Corey Carrier playing him in different times of his life. Uh, give, uh, George Hall also played an elderly Jones with an eye patch, book ending each episode. Did you know those episodes, you can't find them? Those are the only ones that they don't stream, I heard someone told me. Hmm. And I wonder why, if they're going to go, well, that's we can't show that as canon anymore, because maybe Indy dies in the next movie, which they would be wrong. After these messages, we'll be right back. There's something very special about the taste of 7-Up that's unlike any other soft drink. Maybe because 7-Up has no artificial flavor and no artificial color. Never had it, never will. And no caffeine. Never had it, never will. Whatever it is that makes 7-Up so refreshingly different, the other soft drinks never had it. <laughs> never will. Play the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom game. Details at 7-Up and Diet 7-Up displays. Indy, over here. 
Indiana Jones at your service, Toad. Ah! <laughs> Indiana Jones and other action figures new from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, each sold separately. Watch him, Cairo, swordsman. Yeah, watch my swing. Yikes! All downhill from here, swordsman. You'll be sorry, Jones. Tricky again, Toad. Indiana Jones, Toad, and Cairo swordsman action figures each sold separately from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, new from Kenner. Hey, it is BK on the air. Let's just to finish up the story about Indiana Jones possibly headed for the streaming service on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the, the idea that Disney would want a show built around Indiana Jones is not altogether surprising. The media conglomerate has been harvesting the best-known IP from its catalog to build up its streaming platform for years. I mean, they've been thinking about it for a long time. So, I, like everyone else, if it happens, I'll give it a chance. I'll watch it and just see, you know, they may... Strike gold and hit a home run with it, uh, but I'm not going to automatically just go. Oh, I'm not watching that. I'm not going to. You don't. You and I don't take that stance on just about anything. Nope. We always kind of watch it and make sure, because <laughs> yeah, we have to watch it first and make sure what's going on. Well, it's that time we reach that time again where I like to take everything strange, weird, and bizarre and put it all together so we can give you a news. That's the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. Guess what? I've got the first news. I know. This one's a doozy, too. We go to Texas. Yeah, let's go to Texas. Texas. What's it about? It's about America, man. Yeah? Texas. Okay. A Texas woman who stands six feet, nine inches tall was awarded a Guinness World Record for having the world's largest feet. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> but you, your left eye is twitching just a little bit. I was hoping if I just said largest, it would let people's minds wander. I would have not gone to feet. You still had to say the F word. <laughs> I did. Oh, see, he almost puked. He's coughing over I'm there. He's a hard choking time. on his words. There's a gag reflex. You're choking here. on those feet, man. Uh, Guinness World Records announced Tanya Herbert of Houston was bestowed the title of largest feet on a living person female after her right foot was measured at 13.03 inches long and her left foot was measured at 12.79 inches long. I don't think anyone's feet are the same exact length, are they? Okay, yeah, that's right. Herbert wears a woman's size 18 shoe or a man's size 16 to 17, depending on the brand. Herbert said she has had to shop for shoes online since no stores carry products large enough for her feet. She said other large-footed women uh, that she's met online offered her some tips to, so that way she doesn't have to exclusively dress in men's shoes. Wow. That's a big feat. Bet she's a heck of a swimmer. She's got her flippers well, yeah, on already. Yeah, sure. She could kick a field goal, too, probably. Well, right out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> she hit Six the foot football nine. That's a blow tall it. girl. Well, yeah, she's, she's, she's big, yeah. I got the next news. A British man who feared he was going deaf used a home endoscope kit and discovered something in his ear and had been there for about five years. That's why he was going deaf. Now, there's a plethora of things you could guess which would be in his ear. I mean, we've done the bug. There's been bugs. There's been uh, other things. Do you remember the guy that swallowed his dentures and they were stuck in his throat? And he could, and he wasn't choking. It was just a problem, and he had to go get checked out. You want to take a guess? This was not an insect or a living thing. No, I was going to say, these are pets. What do you think might have been stuck in his ear to cause his little going deaf problem? You want to take a guess what it might be? A popcorn kernel. Popcorn kernel. Like, we can think of the like, how can that possibly get in honestly, your ear? honestly, someone would go, oh, yeah, I could see that. But uh, it's probably going to be no, something that- when I tell you what it is, you can see it. This This is something that's totally, oh, I get it. He had an earbud stuck down in his ear. A what? An earbud. Yeah. Oh, like a listening to your yeah. radio? 
Wallace what? Lee of Weymouth, Dorset. How said he does had, one do that? He had been experiencing hearing loss for the past few years and ended up buying a home kit to see if he could identify the issue. The tiny camera alerted him to a small white object inside his ear. Lee visited an ear, nose, and throat surgeon who was able to remove the offending object. Now, there was no other details to the story about how it happened, why it happened, what's going on here, how could that possibly have gone on. Don't you go no follow up. where'd my other earbud go? I went to yeah, sleep wearing it, and now I can't find it. See, you and I apply Maybe logic. Maybe the cat ate it. What? <laughs> you and I apply logic to things where we're like, how can that happen? Because I would ask this question, or inquire this, or wonder why this happened. But I guess some folks, it just doesn't occur to them. I think the world them. is populated with stupid people. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the truth every time I get on the interstates in Atlanta. Uh, that's a very true All statement. Right. I got the next news. Now, I'm not one of them on the road. I try to do the best I can do. Well, let's talk Rubik's Cube because that's always fun. I hate 20, those things. I hate those things. A 20-year-old Rubik's Cube enthusiast in Britain broke a Guinness World Record by solving 6,931 of the puzzles in 24 hours. I can't even, every time we do something, a story like this with a cube or anything like that happening, I can't even imagine in a, in a dream sequence or dream at night, me doing that. Mm -mm. No way. George Scully live-streamed his attempt from a London hotel room as he took on the record for most rotating puzzle cubes solved in a 24-hour window. Scully, whose attempt was timed to coincide with the Guinness World Records day, solved 6,931 cubes in 24 hours, breaking the record previously at 5,800. So he went 1,131 past what the previous record was. That's amazing. That is uh, ridiculous. <laughs> can't e I can't even I can't imagine it. I, I'm, I'm Which was speechless. set by, of course, uh, somebody in Canada. Scully is the reigning cube champion in Britain and is ranked as one of the top-rated speed cubers in the world by the by the World Cube Association. Scully said he was disappointed to not make it to seven thousand. Oh, he's even, he's disappointed with it. Oh, I'm guess sorry I'll try I that again. <laughs> so let me. I'm Why? curious how does that work? Do, does he have like ten cubes, and as he even, solves one, someone has to scramble it, or did he have that many cubes lined up in a there row? There was no photo with the story, or I would have told you, but I, I can't even. I don't. I, even if someone rescrambled them, I mean, would they rescramble enough to give them to him back to where they rescrambled enough to start over? That's, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. How do you I, make sure? Um, <laughs> the logistics are bothering me. How do you I've, do that? I've said in the past. This is how I how I solved the cube was I peeled the thing sticker off. I peeled them off and put them back on there where they all matched on each side. Well, I only peel all the yellow ones off. We pull all the stickers off. That's how I solved the cube. I solved it like Captain America did, like Steve Rogers did when he was training in the Army. You know, when the when all those guys at the end of their run in, in Captain America, the first Avenger, when he's training at the camp, mm -hmm. and they're all, they're all they all like, get up there and get that flag off the pole. Get the, all, those, all those tough guys are like, try to get the flag down. And they're all trying to climb up the pole, and they're falling down. They climb up the pole and falling down. And Steve Rogers just looks at it, so he just pulls the bolt out of the bottom of the pole, and it falls, mm -hmm. and he takes it. Mm -hmm. He's like, here's the flag. Sorry. It was just kind of a practical thing to do because I could not solve it the other way. I never could. I don't even remember getting one side. I don't know if I went that far I and tried. Solve a side. Maybe aside i can't remember maybe i should try another That's one to see got the next news from upi a shoe here's another guinness world record a shoe tying specialist from spain entered a guinness world record when he tied the laces of three pairs of shoes you want to hear how how quickly he tied these three these three pair of shoes now three pair of shoes is six shoes that's mm -hmm. six. So how quickly do you think he tied the shoelaces of three pair of shoes? You want to take a guess at it? Now, they're completely untied. He had to tie all 
all three pairs, how quickly did he do it? Ten though? seconds. He did it in under ten seconds. So you got it. You got it pretty darn close. Guinness World Records said Alvaro Martin Mendita took on the record for the fastest time to tie three pairs of shoes in a bow. He tied the laces of all six shoes with a total time of 9.99 seconds. So right at 10 seconds. The success of the November 6th record attempt was confirmed by the Guinness World Records Day. Now, before you stop and go, oh, that sounds easy. I can do that. Sometimes when I hear that, I think that too. I'm like, oh, you got three pairs of shoes in front of me and I need to tie them all in 10 seconds? I'm pretty good at tying shoes. Let me try. Uh, you, you start to find out you're, you're, you're good at tying them, but you're not really good at tying them quickly and properly and for their tie. with certain laces and, that work better. And, and he tied them in perfect bows, too, by the way. They, look, they had to look a certain way and be properly tied, and he did it in 10 seconds. It's impressive. I tell you, we've talked about it before. The only record you and I can do would probably be an on-air broadcast. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know. There probably is a record for that somewhere, but I wouldn't mind trying to beat it sometime just as a publicity <laughs> stunt. And, hey, it'd be uh, be good uh, publicity for the station in the area up here. All the, all the Guinness people coming. That'd be fun. We could do it. BK on the air. My broker says that with two children to put through college, I should start investing in stocks. What does your broker say? Well, Frank, my broker's E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Hi, this is Jackie Gleason. Maybe you think you can't make money writing. But 10 million Americans have proved you can. What they wrote is their name right here on an application form for the payroll savings plan. All of a sudden, boom, the United States savings bonds start rolling in with money saved painlessly out of your paycheck. Before you know it, a nest egg appears. Try it. Be a writer. How sweet it is. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air. We had the story when we flashed the audience about the uh, guy who lost the earbud in his ear. Randy just called off the air, and uh, he told me a story about his wife who worked uh, with dogs and uh, had had a problem hearing at one point. And he shared the story with me off the air and said she went to the doctor and have it checked out and found out, oh, there was a tick in her ear, a tick. And the doctor kind of said, oh, well, that, that's, that, that tick's not really the problem. It's the two ticks that are under that one adding to your problem and discomfort. You know, when we're sleeping and we're not doing anything and we're, we're uh, uh, just, you know, we're out of it or whatever, you're just napping or whatever, you have, you, have, you have your nostrils and your ears, you can't close. They're always open just to invite anything to come in there when you don't mm-hmm. know about it. And now that I hear that, I'm like, that's just a living I nightmare. You, I think about Some people that. sleep with their mouth open and snore. <laughs> so there's another orifice that's open on your head. I had... <laughs> Every now and then, I get this little tickle deep in my ear. I'm like, uh. is it just because there's just a, a random nerve firing, or did something crawl in there and it's brushing up is it against a like an crawly? inner is it a ear hair? Crawly? <laughs> that ever since Wrath of Khan, I have been forever scarred were you, were about you? some creature crawling into my. Were you ear. afraid that there was a seti eel that was no, into just your anything ear. that it could be a fly, an well, ant, a spider. Think of think of that. Think of who wrote. Think of the guys that wrote that story, Star Trek Two. I mean, th- th- that was a horribly well written, just 
piece of horror. Like, okay, this thing goes in your ear. Number one, it won't go down your ear canal. It'll drill a hole under your ear. It won't even go through the hole that's already there. It drills a hole so it hurts. And it's boring boring through your jaw all the way down into your cerebral cortex, like where it connects to your your the back of your neck or whatever. And that's what it uh, that's what it does. That's just nightmarish in Whoa. itself. <laughs> it's just totally nightmarish. I don't want anything in my. I'd rather play with feet when it comes to that. <laughs> that and that's for how you, buddy, that is. for you, that's re- and you had to think about it, right? You're like, oh, now play with someone's feet or have a steady eel in my ear. Let no, me no. think about it for a second. I don't even have to think uh, about it. I don't even have to think about it. Like that's just it's just horrific. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's definitely what's worse about the about the uh, ticks is that they were alive because they're just living off of your blood. Right, they're a parasite. Yeah. So how many years were they in there? Now you've had dogs, and you grew up as a kid like me and stuff. Did you? I I've had a tick on me. You know, just all of a sudden I say, oh, how'd that tick get on me? Did you feel anything when a tick latches onto you? There's no, at least for us, there's no pain. Nope. You don't feel anything, the way they buddy. That's a great. In? That's a great parasite not to alert you that they're there. Right. They have a way of doing it. I don't know how they <laughs> do. They have a deadening agent that they shoot out to deaden the skin just a little bit know. or something. Maybe. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Now the one that was on me didn't stay on long because you, if you're a person, you kind of notice them pretty quick. Or if there might have been one on your back when you've been walking in the woods, whoever's whoever you're married to or with, them, take your shirt off or like, hey, you got a tick on your back. Let's get it off. Mm-hmm. Now you know sometimes I've found some back in the now my dog doesn't get ticks now because there's. Ways well, she takes a, a trifexis thing, and that she's never had a tick or flea. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. But uh, back in the old days, I'd have dogs, and oh, he's a tick on my dog. You know, and, oh, it's been feeding for a while. It's like the size of a quarter. It's like yeah. pull it off. You know, you got to make sure you get all of it or blah blah blah. Because ticks are like the alien, the alien from Aliens. They're they're kind of built a perfect parasite because. Even when you pull a tick off, if you don't pay attention and leave the head in there, all you've done is pull the blood sack off, and it's going to stay in there and do it all over again. That's just so strange. Because if you pull it off, you got to make sure you get the... The head, the tail, the whole damn thing. you got to make sure you get it off. Now, those videos you'll sometimes scroll and see on YouTube of, like, the worms that have bored into the little yeah, holes. Yeah. And they pull them out, and I'm like, how was that in there? <laughs> Oh, long. You realize it's like a fly that in, in yeah. certain countries will bite you and lay the we'll egg, lay the and it egg. grows inside. So it's growing so slowly, you don't feel it and notice it. And all of a sudden, you're like, "What's that little hole?" And then you realize, that's, "What's wiggling in that hole?" That's where that and the and the wasps. That's where they got some of the idea for Alien. What is the, what is that? I want to use your body to incubate my young. <laughs> Except when the alien comes out of you, it's not very, it's not very, uh, you're not going to survive that. No. It's the problem. So uh, It's like the uh, male praying mantis saying, I might as well have another beer. When I get home, my wife's going to bite my head <laughs> off anyway. Go ahead, tie one on. Now, some would say, some would say that the alien, the way it, the face hugger gets on your face, an alien, and it plants the egg in your stomach, and then you, you, you basically give a horrible birth to this thing and it kills you. Uh, some people say that that does happen with human kids, only they kill you later. Yeah. <laughs> it just takes a longer time to kill you slowly. With some children, I'm sorry. If your kids aren't that way, I apologize. But I have known some really uh, kids that drove parents crazy like that. Let's continue the Indiana Jones talk here. I have this story from Empire Magazine. All of a sudden, you see all this stuff starting to come out. Possibility of a streaming show. This story I'm about to do. Harrison Ford coming out and and got quotes about it. You know that everything is being officially released and and reported by entities like Variety and other locations, and you know they must be getting really serious to gear up for this movie's mm-hmm. uh, ad campaign. It's really, this is the genesis of it now from Empire you Magazine. Have you seen the two covers of the engine? 
He's back. It's full of, as Harrison Ford's quoted as saying, Indiana Jones is back. It's full of adventure, laughs, and real emotion. Well, what else would he say? No, he needs this to come out and say, this really is even a bigger dog like the pile than the last, last one. one. No, of course he's going to say that. Indiana Jones, Indy, Henry Jones Jr., whatever you call him, Harrison Ford's whip-cracking, Nazi-punching, <laughs> relic-relishing archaeologist, his cinema's ultimate action hero. We've been talking about him, and we did the last story. A man whose very image invokes the smell of popcorn and the thrill of big-screen adventure. I think that's what they set out to do when they made Raiders. Uh, Lucas and Spielberg were fans of the chapter plays back in the old days, and they watched them when they were a kid. So they made their new one. Indiana Jones, throughout the decade, he's fought fascists, come face-to-face with the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, even though he had to close his eyes. <laughs> Restore the Shankara Stones and uh, drunk from the Holy Grail and encountered interdimensional life. Well, we talked about that when we won't talk very much about it. So, yeah, Indiana Jones is coming back. 770-386-1450 is our number, I think. Oh, they hung up. So I don't know who that was calling, but call back. We'll take your call. Uh, yes, Indiana Jones. He's he's not done yet, by the way. Fifteen years after his last, fifteen years since the Crystal Skull. Really? See, I hear that, and I'm like, ah, uh, it's kind of crazy. Oh, isn't it? fifteen years to us. That's not a long time anymore, but to kids, that's a way long time. Harrison Ford's donning the fedora one last time. Yes, according to him, it's his last time as the as yet untitled. They didn't even have a title for it yet. Still calling it Indy 5 or Indiana Jones 5. Now in a major world exclusive, Empire Magazine has shown your first look at the epic comeback. They're on the newsstands right now. They've got two different covers, I guess, that you can get. In the new issue, we get the first word on the film that brings the iconic hero back on the screen. And its star promises all the excitement, emotion, spectacle, and unexpected turns that only Indiana Jones can provide. Uh, That's what Harrison Ford, some of the quote he says. He goes, the shooting of it uh, was tough and long. He said, but I'm very happy with the film that we have. Well, let's let's hope we'll be happy with it as well. Why, why go back then? <laughs> 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull left our hero happily married to Karen Allen's Marion Ravenwood. But while it found Indy older and perhaps wiser than he'd been in the original trilogy, I don't know if that's necessarily right. It wasn't necessarily an ending at the end of that film. That's where Indiana Jones 5 comes in. Quote, I just thought it would be nice to see one where Indiana was at the end of his journey, Ford explains. If a script came along that I felt gave me a way to extend the character. So I guess Hmm. one did. It's this script. That script comes from Jez and John Henry Butterworth, writing alongside director James Mangold, the Copland, Logan, and Ford versus Ferrari filmmaker, now facing the daunting task of following up a certain Steven Steven Spielberg uh, Who's on board as a producer? Spielberg is still there. Now, for Mangold, it was all about the challenge of making a final Indiana Jones films, a film. It, quote, quote, it became really important to me to figure out how to make this a movie about a hero at sunset, unquote, he says. Yeah. Noticing that he steered the film further in that direction. Quote, the issues I brought up about Indy's age were not things I thought were being addressed in the material being developed at the time. There were old jokes, but the material itself wasn't about it. To me, whatever your greatest liability, you would fly straight toward that. If you try to pretend it's not there, you end up getting uh, slings and arrows the whole way on your journey, unquote. So there you go. There's a little, if you get the new issue of uh, Empire Magazine, you can read the the article yourself and delve into it. And if you collect them, there's two different uh, covers. One one is a real 
photo of Harrison Ford looking, yeah, a little grumpy <laughs> as Indiana Jones. And the other one's more of an, I think, an art, an art-like cover, which is kind of an artist rendition of, of something from the film. I can't lie. I'm looking forward to it because I'm an Indiana Jones fan. I like the character, and I like three of the films so far of the four. So we'll see which way a different director and a di- different creative team, you know, albeit Spielberg's still there producing mm. and probably he probably I would say Spielberg's the kind of guy who was probably there going hey uh, why don't you do this can I see what you're doing you know because it's I mean he came up with it you can I probably understand why he I might mean, be there I'm gonna definitely it, so. go see it because yeah I'll see it I'm on the mindset that one was so good two mm, kind of I love the Temple of Doom though I love this you do one. I did I thought I still think it's the weakest of the three see, so that's think, why they came and did the third no. movie it's like we're, we apologize for two then they did four well, now they got to do five why, to apologize for four. Why don't four. you make me feel better since I love the second one and just say, yeah, four is the weakest of the four. Four say is. Say that. But it's like that, <laughs> Sorry, they have to constantly – it's like yeah. that's why they're coming back. Like you even see, hear him say that. He's like, <laughs> well, we didn't really end it right. It just right. – they're basically saying the last movie wasn't good. We need to give you a better movie to end on. Right. We can't end on that one. Now, they could have ended on three. But I wonder – There was no reason to I do it I wonder where they're – I have no idea. I try to sit there and think because you and I, we, sometimes we stop and think – well, what's going to happen in this one? Let me try to think what they might do, depending on... Because I, I don't think they're ignoring the forward, fourth one. They're not going to do that. They're not the kind to completely ignore something that happened. I don't know if uh, 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 Mutt Lang, his son, will be in it or not. I don't know. I don't think so. I w- or they'll or refer that, to him what happened. Or is that one of the something? closest guarded secrets of the movie? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't... I wouldn't Shia LaBeouf. And there's an actor who I have a love-hate relationship. I really liked him in some stuff, and I'm really disliked. I don't like him in interviews and stuff. He seems like another one of those eccentrics, like, uh, like Joaquin Phoenix. Bit, <laughs> he may have. Just do it! Yeah. He was great in Fury, the tank movie. He was really good in that. And mm-hmm. he's, he was good in a lot of other stuff. But uh, Indiana Jones, he's one of those great characters where uh, where I uh, I loved I loved the character. I loved the whole archaeology thing where he's going to find things and uh, hey when he opens the arc at the end of Raiders is there a it's the end of Star Wars what a climax that was at the end of Star Wars yeah wrong sir wrong and now this message this kitchen drain can explain a lot about sinus miseries when closed it blocks but when open it drains when your sinuses are open there's no congestion pain but when sinuses close you've got blockage congestion, pressure, pain. You want Dristan tablets, strong medicines to open sinuses, help drain off congestion, reduce pressure, relieve pain in minutes. Dristan tablets helps drain off sinus pain fast. From the leading edge of technology comes a new generation of video electronics from Zenith. At the touch of a button, the giant screen rises and you enjoy Space Screen 45 TV. Push a Space Phone button and turn your TV into a telephone. Produce a movie with your VCR and play it back on Zenith's new component TV system with stereo capability. Video High Tech, part of the new generation from Zenith, where the quality goes in before the name goes on. Identify for retina scan. Stand by to receive our transmission. Oh, stories that happen to us when we're at home. We'd like to share them off the air. Mm-hmm. 
You're telling me about falling asleep sometimes watching television. I, I, I've done that several times. And in fact, we were thinking about getting a recliner for our living room. You know, the kind of chairs that just recline and they look like they're just made out of giant pillows that go, come and sit at me and recline and relax. She's like, we're not getting a recliner. She goes, you already fall asleep sitting with me on the couch. Right. If you get a recliner and you fall asleep, you'll never wake up and go to bed. You'll just sleep in the recliner. I'm like, I've seen some of them and sat in them where that's a true statement. Mm-hmm. Some of them are pretty darn, and they'll recline almost all the way out flat. Almost some of them, they're dangerous chairs. Yeah. So I'm not doing think it. So maybe I'm, if I was a bachelor by myself. Mindset. <laughs> I already tell my wife. I jokingly say, now she's not like this every time, but sometimes I can tell if it's a little bit later. She goes, "Do you want to watch a movie?" I said, "Go, just go to bed." Sure. Goes, well, I'm not no, tired. No, I'm like, yeah. you're going to be asleep in ten minutes. <laughs> well, maybe I need to go to sleep, but I'm not tired, so I need the movie to put me to sleep. <laughs> Okay, well, you know I'm going to watch truthful. the whole thing. At least you're truthful. I still yeah. deny it. She goes, well, you'll be asleep in 10 minutes while I'm watching it. I'm like, no, I won't. I want to watch this. No. On the flip side, <laughs> except with, which I was telling you off the air, with rare occasion, but it happens to all of us, it wakes me up. If she goes, we're going to watch a movie. I could right. be having worked at, you know, outside, working on a project, sure. mowing the lawn. I'm like, I'll even say, man, I'm so tired. I think I'm just going to go to bed. She goes, well, do you want to watch a movie first? <sighs> okay, sure. Yeah. We're then always movie, up for a movie. Movie rolls, and I'm like, Bing, wide awake, and I don't go to sleep till the end. Okay, here's something else that happens to me since we're on this subject. I'll fall asleep sometime on the on the couch while we're watching something, you know, and then it'll be late. You're like, oh, well, it's over now. Time to go to bed. I'll go, I'm like, yeah, I fell asleep. I'm so tired. Go up in the bedroom. I'm wide awake laying in the bed, though. I'm like, that's worse. Ugh. That's Why worse. was I there, and now I can't do it here? And uh, Mrs. BK is the type of person where she'll take a nap. Her batteries are recharged. She goes, oh, I can take a two-hour nap before we go out That's tonight. Nap, I'm really tired. To bed. Well, for her, hour and a half, hour, two-hour nap, you know, just so it's two shorter shorter than three hours. Her batteries are completely – she's like a rechargeable battery. Mm-hmm. And she's and she's like, oh, no, I fell asleep for a two-hour nap. That means I'll be up till 4 a.m. now because it really charges me up. I'm like, oh. I'm not that way. I can fall asleep for an hour and a half and take a quick nap in the afternoon. But it, I, I feel I'm a little more groggy, and it takes me more uh, power for me to get back into being awake. I've learned. Because so. I've actually done that by mistake, not setting an uh, alarm and sleep for, let's say, 90 minutes. Yeah. And I feel worse <laughs> after that nap. I'm just... Now, Where's the sweet spot? we got to find for that me, spot. For me, I figured out. For me, it's between 30 and 45 minutes. Okay. That's all right. I think maybe Sometimes for me I too. feel like it's 30 enough because I just remember falling asleep. But then, <laughs> right. That's the way it you, is when you're asleep. But then I'll, uh, that usually is the... Because uh, my wife will actually, if she takes a nap and that's too long, she'll right. have a headache. It's oh, like, really? Yeah, it's like headache. Goes, oh, now I have a headache to well, go along. Here's so. the only thing I hate about taking a nap and sleeping. Uh, we have to do it because our body requires that we have shut down and do that. But I love the I love the feeling of being sleepy and falling asleep because it just feels euphoric. You're like, oh, I'm <laughs> going to sleep. It's going to be great. Here's what I hate. I hate the missed time. I'm like, yes. I don't want to waste time napping. It's not technically, it's not wasted time. I know your your body needs yeah, to do it, I, but, but I to feel me, it's that. time I'll never get back in. Because number one, when you're asleep, time doesn't pass. It's just gone. It's like one second you're up, like, and it's been eight hours, and it feels right. like it's, you fell asleep uh, five seconds ago. That's just the way it is. It's life. Let's do a long to the stay in history. I've got some in here that maybe one of them has something to do with your uh, <laughs> with your story you read earlier about news flashes. But I got a cool uh, kind of a cool. Anniversary one on here as well. 1916. On this day in history, November 19th, Samuel Goldwyn and Edgar Selwyn established Goldwyn Picture. The company later became one of the most successful independent filmmakers in motion picture history, which is, was... 
MGM. Became, became MGM later. MGM was the one tied in with James Bond. It so was long. an independent studio at one point in time. When it was started. And we talked about how funny it was back in the day where uh, people were under contract with different companies. And they're like, oh, you can't do an MGM picture. You're with us at Paramount. Right. Oh, you can't do that. You know, that that's long gone. Yeah, you <laughs> were maybe, locked maybe into the so. studio. That's right. You're a studio and you better actor. hope the studio has uh, some good movies coming up. 1939, on this day in history, comic book superheroes The Flash, as Jay Garrick, and Hawkman, alter ego Carter Hall, first appear in Flash Comics number one, published by DC in 1939. I didn't realize Flash they are was that, that old. old. Hawkman's that old, too. He's one of those lesser known characters. Oh. Hawkman is actually in Black Adam, I hear. He's in it with Dr. Fate, and it's. um. Here's Brosnan playing Dr. Fate in the film. On this day in history, 1959, Rocky and his friends debuted on ABC TV. Later on, they called it Rocky and Bullwinkle, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. They renamed it later for syndication, I think, but it was called Rocky. One of the names it was known under was Rocky and his friends. Interesting. 1959. I thought they were related in that when I was a kid because I started watching them in the 70s. I'm like, oh, this must be just from a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple dozen years ago, maybe. We're going after Squirrel. <laughs> Boris. Boris Batanov. Boris. I always um, liked him. He talked so funny. 1964 is a special anniversary in history. 1964 on November 19th was when these were created. A lot of you moms don't know there's a lot of good inside Kellogg's Pop-Tarts toaster pastries. There is? Sure. First of all, there are six Pop-Tarts inside. Six? That's good. And there's real fruit filling inside, plus a tasty pastry crust. Hey, that's good, Milton. And six vitamins and iron. Well, now, that's very good. You see? For snacks or as part of a good breakfast, it's good to know there's a lot of good inside Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. That's right. She called him Milton. Milton the toaster used to be hmm. Pop-Tarts uh, animated character. Remember when it used to be fruit-filled and now I don't know what's in it? Yeah, what Still is it It still tastes good. Some kind of preserved gelatin. I, th- I, I still know. think it was crazy that it's two years older than me. I didn't know Pop Tarts were that old. I'm like, I knew they came along sometime. Pop-Tarts. Still, you know, every now and then. So like, do I. And you know, they, didn't, they don't even have to have the frosting do on you top. Have a I don't care. Yes, but I think my favorite is a tie between two. And and by the way, growing up as a kid, my mom was a single parent after the divorce. She had to cut corners and buy store brands. And I sometimes she sometimes bought us the ones called Toastums. That's the which that's weren't the, nearly that, as they good. weren't near as good. But I was a kid, I didn't care because I was just glad to have it, and it tastes still tastes good with a with a glass of milk mm-hmm. when it was warm. I loved it. But yeah, I think my favorite pop tarts are probably the strawberry ones filled, frosted, or, yeah, uh, or plain. Either one, I could take either one of those. Now okay. as an adult, I could take either one because when they're plain, they're still sweet enough for me now. Yeah. And the cinnamon ones, brown sugar, man, those, those are so good when That's... they're when they're in the microwave or in the toast in the toaster for a little while. And I got a glass of milk. I'm, I'm That's like a breakfast bowl of cereal. crack to me. <laughs> That's is. just. That's what's in them. You didn't know what's in them now. That's what's yeah. in them. I and I I haven't bought them in a while because of how much sugar is in them. (laughs) Yeah, but dude, there'd be times I'd be running late and say, you know what? I'm just gonna pop these in the toaster and I can eat them in the car on the way to work. Take a pop. But you're right. You have to have a glass of milk. I love glass of milk. 1975 on this day, film adaptation of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is released. It was Academy Awards Best Picture in 1976. 1982, uh, 40 years ago, the number one movie in the box office was Creep Show. 
Remember Creep Show, George Tom A. Romero? Sweeney, George Romero. Written yeah. by Stephen King. Stephen King was actually in the first story as Jody Verrill, the guy who's playing the second, the second one. The, the second story. That, yeah. uh, and you know, uh, two days later, E.T. retains the first number comes one back. spot, comes back, and reclaims it in 1982, 40 years ago. We'll do the rest of On This Day in History. We've got a little more to go uh, when we come back. You can imagine the prehistoric past and the distant future coming together in one creation. Zoids. You can pretend that they're creatures from the age of dinosaurs or that they're futuristic monster machines. Each Zoid requires assembly, and though their appearance is strange, you can wind them up and let them move freely about your home. Zoids. Each is sold separately. They're made by Tomy. It's here, the E.T. board game. Now you can pretend to help E.T. go home. Danger! Sometimes you can hide. You're safe, E.T. And sometimes you can fly. Wow. Now the communicator's ready. E.T. phone home. <laughs> to the spaceship. The one that helps E.T. the most wins. Also sold separately, the E.T. card game. E.T. board game from Parker Brothers. Some assembly required. Let's continue the On This Day in History. I love it when you say something when I come back from break. That's funny. I know Mike Garcia does it to you on Bartos Morning News. And you come back on the air and you're halfway laughing. You're like, hey, welcome back. You just did it to me. Can't tell you what he said, though. On This Day in History, November 19th. Let's continue the On This Day in History. 1995, Beatles Anthology premieres on ABC TV. And that was a big deal because it was their first new release in years of the Mm -hmm. Beatles back in 1995. And I got a a, a story that coming up that uh, Jeff Lynn from ELO produced a couple of new Beatles songs for them back then. And I got a Jeff Lynn story coming up. 1999, The World Is Not Enough, James Bond film opens on this day in history. Not one of my favorite Pierce Brosnan films. Uh, or is it? No, it's Tomorrow Never Dies is my favorite. The World Is Not Enough is, wasn't very good. Today on this day in history, 2010, another movie premiere, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Mm opens and is released worldwide on this day in history. Another franchise that we are very, very fond of. You you and my wife and people that I know a little more so than me, but I still love them, but I never read the books. I only saw the movies. And that's the earmark of a well-made film franchise. If you don't have to read the books and you get them watching the movies, it's well-made. I never had to read them. 2021 on this day in history. Uh, I was there opening night. I don't remember if you went to see it opening night or not, but Ghostbusters Afterlife opened yeah, I on didn't... this day. I don't know if we went opening, but we went pretty soon after. I think. Oh, yeah, no, we went with you. You haven't been to movie me in a long time. but We saw Ghostbusters Afterlife together. Really? How come yes. I don't remember that? Because we met at the AMC, or no, the uh, NGCG in Ackworth. Oh, you came by yourself. No, it was you, me, Susan. I don't and, remember her. I don't, why don't I remember And your better this? half. Why don't I remember this? I don't know. Maybe it's because it's ghosts. It doesn't happen all that often. <laughs> I know, maybe it was ghosts. But no, I remember well, because we were running a little behind, and we got there, and you guys pulled up at the same time. We were like, well, funny oh, meeting you here. Okay, so and maybe we I do inside. remember it. We all went. Well, to, the, the now, bottom. That may have been your second time seeing it, but you said, I want you to see. I want to oh, see how yeah. you react to the, the end. The bottom line of everything is we both really enjoyed it, and it was a great way to I'm do a sequel. making another. <laughs> great way to do a sequel of a long time between the last movie and a sequel. A lot of people don't do it right that way, but they did it right. It was so, so great, so emotional. Mm-hmm. When I was watching it, I just felt warm and fuzzy through the whole film. It, it watching it, it really truly was like he uh, the son described it. Uh, is it Scott Reitman that wrote it? Uh, 
Ivan Reitman's son. Jeez, what is his is name? Is it you Scott? Would, you would say. I don't think anyway, it's Scott. I, do, I remember him out. saying, I remember being on the set. I remember my dad. I remember having all these fond things. And then I decided I wanted to make sure that I was doing truly a love letter to the fans. I wanted to go and say, I wanted to take and do a film that was respectful to their first two movies, specifically more the first movie. And that's what he did. That's what he wound up doing. Jason Reitman. Jason, that's Yeah, and it was a great, great homage. And being new, too, he milled the two together. Right, right. It it didn't feel like it was rehashed. It's not that they didn't redo the first movie, but... Even though though Gozer, the old villain, was the one coming back, that was a rehash, but it was done so well... But it made sense. (laughs) They established the lore that the spiritual realm tied to... Um, Evo Shandor. Right. Like, that all made sense. Now, don't forget, we said inside the cave, you saw other dates of when right. they were supposed to have, and I was like, there's more dates. There's so. more dates ahead, because the said, world didn't end, so it's I'm still hoping, going on. I was hoping, crossing fingers, that they would do another one. So there is going to be a, another movie. Fantastic sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I got a little, when I was watching it, <laughs> I teared when, up when, the first when, time. When he shows up, the ghost of uh, Egon shows up at the end, I'm like, oh, wow, why am I feeling this way about this movie about Ghostbusters? It was really pulling at the heartstrings there mm-hmm. toward the end, because it was so well Done. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't go. Oh, that was so cheesy. No, it was done with respect and 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 uh, and uh, a lot of talent involved with doing that. It also opens up an irony. Are there good ghosts and bad ghosts? Because well, if I believed in them, to put a ghost. <laughs> if away. I believed in them, I'd like to think there is. Yeah, because I know in is. the cartoon they decided Slimer could be a pet. Yeah, he was a good guy. They yeah, kind of wanted to use him. And what was the name of the one in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife? Muncher. Was that isn't the blue one oh, that yeah, liked the one to that eat was metal? Eat, at, ate the metal, yeah. Was it Muncher? I, I think, think it was so. Muncher, Muncher or something like that. You have the and you got to think, what were they when they were alive? Were they big blobby yeah. humans? <laughs> They're from another dimension. What are they exactly? It was it was funny to me to find out that uh, when Gozer came back in Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, there were two different actresses used to to per, in that in that guise of that female the way. Gozer looks when it mm-hmm. takes on the form. So you can see what it looks like. like David Bowie Stardust. One kind of, of the actresses look. that plays Gozer in it is Olivia Wilde was playing her, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. I looked into the credits, and I'm like, she's an actress. You know who that is? Hmm. Olivia Wilde was now another lady was used, I think, and I think it was a model, a French model or something was playing Gozer in the original Ghostbusters film because she looked very exotic and weird, you know, with right. the red eyes and everything. But that's kind of cool. Birthdays today. One includes Angus Young. British ACDC. Act- nope. No. <laughs> British actor and voice actor. He's, he's named Alan. He's posed by Alan Young is his, is his acting uh, British actor. You had me fooled. He was from The Time Machine. He was he was uh, Wilbur and Mr. Ed. That's Alan Young. And he played, the, he, he, he provided the voice of Scrooge McDuck in the cartoon, and he also did the he did a lot of uh, animated voices. He also was Seven Zark Seven in Battle of the Planets, the G Force yeah. uh, animated series. He did the voice for Seven Zark Seven. He died in two thousand six. Seven Zark Seven calling G Force. Red alert. Two astronauts have disappeared. I copy Zark. What's up? There's no time to explain right now, Mark. You're needed in command on the Phoenix at once. Is G-Force already in flight? Yes. Use your Televox finder. I'll get you there fast. He's also in the um, the uh, remake of The Time Machine that came out that uh, Simon Wells directed with Guy Pierce. Really? He's actually he's a storekeeper in that huh. back in the old days. That wasn't a bad update. I like that remake of The Time Machine. I thought it was really well done. Today is uh, Larry King's birthday. Radio he and TV host. He was in the first Ghostbusters. He was. He was in the background as Larry King. He died yep. in 2021. Uh, today is Dan Haggerty's birthday. 
American actor, played Grizzly Adams on NBC. Did you watch Grizzly Adams? Were you old enough I to see it? I remember it. I don't remember hardly any of the plots, but I remember the show. I just knew it, it just had that very cool little house on the prairie type feel to it, I guess, because he was you know, living in the mountains. And Dan mm-hmm. was a huge guy with the big, biggest beard I'd ever seen in my life at that yep. point. And do you remember who played it. the guy in it with him? His buddy, the, the mountain man that was in the show with him, was Denver Pyle, the guy from Uncle Jesse from the Dukes of Hazard, was in the show wow. with him. That was the other cast member. Dan Haggerty passed away in 2016. Today is Meg Ryan's birthday. Meg, uh, she's still around. Yeah, but she doesn't look like Meg Ryan anymore. Fortunately, she's one of those folks that had a little bit of work done, and she doesn't look all that Meg Ryan-ish anymore. <laughs> Fortunately, a lot I of them do that. I feel bad for the women who decide they got to do so I much work that do, they don't, don't look like people anymore. Don't, do, don't take it that far, please. You just, look like just, when you try to do original C. CG of people and it doesn't yes. quite look human anymore. Or you wind up like poor Joan Rivers, who I thought would have been a great Joker in Batman. Mm. Well, how are we going to make her up like the Joker? You don't have to. Just shoot her the way she is with her makeup. What's on. with the stupid grin? Uh, on your face? Which was stupid grin. Plastic surgery's been bad to me. <laughs> today is one of the best actresses I think of our generation's birthday today. And uh, if you had to choose, well, probably one of the best actresses that's from our era of our age or whatever, maybe a little older oh. than you, who would you For choose? For me, I'd say from our age, yeah, Jodie Foster. it is. It's Jodie Foster. You, you know exactly what I was talking about. Jodie Foster's birthday today. I think she is a, such a phenomenal actress that people, actors could, could still learn from her. If you watch her in, watch her in anything, Silence of the Lambs, The Accused with Kelly McGinnis, uh, a, a movie she made while she was uh, very young called The Little Girl That Lived Down the Lane. It's kind of a horror mystery film. If you watch Jodie Foster and make sure you watch her, especially when she's not speaking and maybe another actor has a scene that, where they're talking, watch her and you'll be mesmerized at how brilliant a performer she is. And 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 I, I don't even want to say she's a good actress. She is a great actress, but it doesn't seem like she's acting at all. Right. I mean, she gets so into the parts so that she good. does. Well, Fantastic. I mean, even the young girl in Taxi Driver. Yeah, that's another one. It's like you're like, how are you playing at it so well age. at that age? Yeah, and if you've never seen it, I'll, I'll, I may send you or bring you the DVD or you check it out and see if you find it streaming. Lending DVDs anymore are, are useless. I, I still do that. I'll sir, do a search and see if you can find the little girl that lives down the lane. You won't be disappointed. Mar, uh, Char, uh, Martin Sheen is in it with her, hmm. and he plays a really slime ball in it. But it's a very well-done, creepy movie. It's kind of a horror film, but it's not a slasher. It's a mind, mm-hmm. personality type thing. And you'd, I think you'd really like it. Today is Kylo Ren's birthday today. Adam Driver, another, in my opinion, fantastic actor. Everything I've seen him in outside of Star Wars, he has been great in. Yeah, actually, everything. He, his his worst is in is the Star Wars. <laughs> it's movies. probably Kylo Ren, yeah, which is not bad. He's okay as Kylo Ren. He was one of the better things about the Star Wars sequels. He was really good as Kylo it was Ren. At least something somewhat fresh. But um, the movie where he's married to Scarlett Johansson and they get a divorce. I think the movie's called Married. And I think it's just a streaming film on Netflix or mm-hmm. one of the one of the channels or whatever. It was really really good. It's heartbreaking to watch because you go. It's a it's a movie about them divorcing and how they handle the kids and stuff. And it's just a hard drama to watch, especially if you've gone through that. Hello, mm-hmm. uh, but it's he's brilliant in it. He's fantastic, and Scarlett Johansson's good in it too. It's always National Something Day. Today is National Carbonated Beverage with Caffeine Day. Well, I took care of that this morning, so. <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's right. Today is also uh, National Play Monopoly Day. No. And we've talked about this before. Yeah, I can't find anybody to play Monopoly with me. The last few times we've ever tried to play Monopoly, and we talked about this before, Monopoly has broken up marriages and families before, I think. 
It's been so. Why do they take it so seriously? There are a few edicts in our house, and after the last incident, the edict is wow. we will never be playing Monopoly wow. in this house again. Do you like playing Monopoly? I love it. Did I've you know? Got the, I've got the app so I can play. If you ever want to play Monopoly some night, give me a call, and we'll, we'll, we'll put a little group together, and we'll play Monopoly. But we need to set aside a few hours, because well, Monopoly depends. isn't a quick game, usually. It depends if you play by all the rules or the ones that <laughs> yeah. you think you know are the rules, but you don't really I know I do not rules. play Monopoly with made-up rules. I don't like that. Especially the land on free parking. You get a bunch of money that's collected through the community chest and everything, because, number one, if you've got a lot of people playing Monopoly, the bank will run out of money, and you won't have any money to play with. So that, that cuts that out. I don't want to do that because I don't know why whoever came up with that rule you know, is not a good rule. That's not in life. There's no free parking in life to get someone's money. Someone's got money. Okay, Monopoly well, money. Yeah, that's right. That's, hey, it's, that's <laughs> well based on inflation. He's got the green stuff. Based on inflation, that's probably worth no more that, than what you get out of the he's box. He's holding that stuff that we don't have any of because we're in radio. Um, I will say this: I didn't know this the whole time I've been playing it because the hardest thing is trying to get your properties. But you know. You're supposed to, if you choose not to buy it, you're supposed to auction it. It's supposed to be right, that all the properties right. are that. gone as fast as possible. But the, but the and thing that's with, what makes the game last the thing too long. People don't like to play Monopoly with me. And I don't know why they don't like to play with me because if they played it the same way I did, it's a smart way to play it. In Monopoly, everything I land on in the at least the first couple of rounds, I buy everything I land oh, yeah. on. That's just the way I do it. And they're like, why are you buying that? You don't have any of the others. I'm like, you don't understand the, the rules of the, 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 you don't understand the game. <laughs> I'm not going to pass on this. It's the art of the Somebody deal. else is going to buy it. At <laughs> some point, you may want this property. That's right. So it's play. I would say we could play Monopoly on the air one day, but that would be really boring radio. So unless an argument broke out or <laughs> something like that. Or we'll do it in the parking lot. That's funny. Speaking of there, we're going to take a break. It's the bottom of the hour. When we come back, I'll tell you about a 45-year-old movie that's celebrating an uh, anniversary this week. It's another Steven Spielberg. Monopoly's been bringing people together for almost 50 years. That's how long we've been wheeling and dealing together, building hotels together, and going to jail together. Warner the market and utilities. You can't lose. Share a smile and your day seems a whole lot better. Parker Brothers kind of fun. Brings people together. Butterball presents... The spirits of the first turkey lovers. Dost thou smell turkey? Oh, it is beautiful. Thou cannot judge turkey by the beauty of its skin. Indeed, it could be dry. But this is the Butterball turkey. Always plump and juicy because it's deep-basted where hand-basting can't reach. Look how juicy. Thou never served so juicy a bird. Thou never brought home a Butterball. Butterball from Swift. Tis truly plump and juicy. You're listening to BK on the Air. This is Mrs. BK, and I'm not listening now because, well, I sleep in every Saturday morning. But I'll catch him later on the BK Escape Pod podcast. Now back to that man of mine, BK on the Air. Mwah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The experience of an ordinary man shared by people from all over the world drawn to a single spot by a compulsion they don't understand to witness the most dramatic event in the history of the human race and when the communication begins it is fantastic close encounters of the third kind yeah that was one of those uh TV spots. Back when I was a kid that would play a trailer for a film, and sometimes the TV spots were a little, they had to be quicker, they had to be shorter, 30 seconds long maybe, and uh, 
kind of give you a little idea by flashing images and having the cool narrator telling you what the movie was about. Uh, a lot of a lot of trailers now don't have narration anymore. They mm. really don't. The old guy doesn't come on and go, today in a world where earthquakes <laughs> come together with monkeys, you get the earthquake monkeys. They don't, they don't do that anymore, and it's a lost art, and I miss it. Well, that was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was one of the TV spots that would have been playing way back in 1977. Uh, from director Steven Spielberg. Well, that was 45 years ago. This week, it celebrated its 45th anniversary, like Star Wars did earlier this year, 45 Crazy. years old, the year 1977. I'll tell you something else about 1977. It was a darn good year for rock music albums. I looked at all the rock albums that came out in 77. I'm like, man, what a great year, 77, because you get some of the de- some of the years are just really great. We, you and I talked about how great 1982 and 1984 was for films. For films. We remember some great films coming out in that year. Certain years do shine. Now, uh, it's uh, it, it actually it was crucial for Steven Spielberg's career, this article says. Uh, the director already had three feature films under his belt. Uh, the first, Duel from 1971, which is a TV adventure story that was critically well-received and has gone on to great acclaim but didn't make much of an impression with audiences at the time. Well, I remember seeing du- a Duel when it was on TV. Yeah, my, me too. My family and I, we movie. watched it. The second movie, The Sugarland Express, which I still to this day have not seen with Goldie Hawn, and uh, Steven Spielberg directed it. did fairly well at the box office, but it didn't necessarily need people to think that he was the director for whom they could expect great things. And I actually think, wasn't the first thing he directed was a um, a um, Night Gallery episode, the one with Joan Crawford. I think that was the first thing was Steven Spielberg directed. He did Columbo, too. Maybe it was Columbo was the first, but I know it was the first two early TV directorial things that he did. Yeah, Night Gallery and Columbo. That all changed with Spielberg's third film. In 1975, Jaws became one of the biggest box office hits of the 70s and helped to invent the concept, as we well know, of the summer blockbuster. And, buddy... How many times do we get a chance to talk about Jaws and we take advantage of it <laughs> when we're on the radio uh, or in time. public or in a bar if or you in a restaurant in the same room. <laughs> or playing Monopoly? <laughs> hey, come out with it. Did they do a Jaws Monopoly game based know. on Jaws? I need to look. That would be a great theme <laughs> Monopoly game to have. I want Quint. I want the shark. Now, in its wake, Spielberg was on top of the world after Jaws. He could virtually make anything he wanted. But in Hollywood, there was still a question he needed to answer. Was he the director who had made two well-crafted but not particularly successful films or the one who had made the massive hit that no one could stop talking about? Was he the real deal, or did he just get lucky? Well, the answer, of course, was the former at the time because he really wasn't well-known at that point. But nothing is ever as easy as it looks in Tinseltown, Hollywood, and for a while, themes... uh, seemed to get a bit dicey. Spielberg had wanted to make an alien movie for a long time and while he was still a teenager while he was still a teenager he had directed a movie about high school friends that wasn't too dissimilar to Close Encounters. He called it Firelight and screened it at his local movie theater in (laughs) Phoenix where he grew up which was how cool would that have been to do that as a young filmmaker. I would have loved to have done that. After making Sugarland Express he wanted to return to the theme of aliens and approached Paul Schrader about writing a script for it. The screenplay was, at least in Spielberg's estimation, an unmitigated disaster at the time for this. He famously called it one of the most embarrassing screenplays ever professionally turned into a major film studio or director, and that's a direct quote from him. You know, if he didn't like it, it must have been pretty bad. I don't know. Or maybe sometimes you could be hard on yourself. It might have been. We, we might have thought it was okay, mm. but it didn't measure up to his standards or anybody else's. Now, one wonders, though, if the fault didn't lie at least in part with Spielberg himself. Schrader, that's Paul Schrader, 
a cerebral, violence-obsessed writer who broke through with his script for Taxi Driver had cut his teeth by writing a book on criticisms about art house directors. It was an exceedingly strange choice to write a big-budget popcorn alien film. Now, you may be familiar with Paul Schrader when I tell you some of the movies he directed. He directed American Gigolo with Richard Gere. He directed a movie called Cat People with Malcolm McDowell and Nastasia Kinski. Mm-hmm. So he was really a avant-garde, like it said. What do they call him here? Art. He was a. He was a. Uh, uh, what was it? A, a violence obsessed writer. <laughs> that's what they called him in the article. So, yeah, American Gigolo and Cat People. That's nothing like Close Encounters. Now, up against the wall, Spielberg, and after running through several other screenwriters, Spielberg decided he would write the script himself. The result was a story that is as personal as any film he made during his early years as a director. But in the end, it's not the deeply personal nature of Close Encounters that makes it one of Spielberg's most important films. Even more significantly is a massive hit grossing over $300 million against a budget of only $19 million in 1977. Now, you make $300 million in the mid-70s, that's pretty impressive, especially mm-hmm. with that budget. Its success proved that Spielberg was one of the few directors to emerge from the roaring 70s Hollywood scene who wouldn't flame out and whose vision would translate to the following decades. Not so much over the past few years, but I, I, don't, know, I don't know if that's personally me that thinks that or, or thinks that's the case because he's subject matter that he would choose. I think he's still a fine director. He can direct a movie. Maybe it's the maybe it's his screenplays, some of the screenplays he's chose to do that just didn't grab me right off the bat, you know, cuz I think sometimes you have to know what the audience is looking for. Right. I well, don't think people were looking for a remake of uh West Side Story. Well, that dovetails with this story okay. from Variety. Did you re- did you say the word remake? Yes. Well, Spielberg has remade a few films, hasn't he? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. A handful. For better or for worse. For me, it's mostly for worse. Or reinterpreted a right. film or I whatever. I didn't see West Side Story because I'm not a big musical fan anyway. I right. think I may just watch it one day. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it. Let's watch it. It's a Spielberg film. There's still Spielberg films I haven't seen. There I haven't are a seen. Handful I haven't seen. Oh, wow. I haven't seen Minority Report with Tom Cruise. I did. I've I hear it's a kind That's of a cool really action good. movie, but I'm like, I okay. really like it. Haven't seen that. I did not see. Um, Tried to watch Amistad once, and I, I, I don't know that. what it was. I couldn't get. So it's funny. Maybe get into between it. the two of us, we could fill in the gaps. We could, and I haven't. I try. I started watching Lincoln one day with Daniel Day Lewis. So but good. something happened that we couldn't watch it. Something we had to leave or something at someone's house. So I need to go back and watch that. It's amazing. It's really good. But I'll tell you, the last we, we all know our classic Spielberg films that we love. I mean, come on, it's easy to name most of his early work. But I think my two later films that he directed that I think are my most that I like the most from Spielberg, they aren't. I mean, they aren't perfect, wonderful films like his old films used to be, but that, again, that's personal opinion. I loved War Horse. War Horse is great. War Horse was a fantastic movie taken from just a short play, and I don't know how they did it, but they did a great job. It felt like an old Spielberg film from many years ago. It felt like an 80s Spielberg film. And I also kind of enjoy. I enjoyed Ready Player One. Ready Player One was weird because... I think I was distracted the first time I watched it because I was I was just just so busy looking for the Easter eggs. I'm like, okay, where's, is that is that the DeLorean? And I wasn't paying to the attention to the dialogue. I'm trying to see what's in the scene. Oh, is that Batman's Batmobile? Oh, they're in the Shining. They're in the Overlook Hotel. That's great. Oh, that's the charm from Excalibur. An Al Nathra That's from Excalibur. Right. Oh, look, it's the glaive from Krull. They put everything in here and the references of people wouldn't even get. Right. Kids today that watch Ready Player One, I guarantee you, 99.999 percent <laughs> of them would not know what. The the glaive from crawl is no they would they really wouldn't maybe I that did one the kid same thing i found myself so distracted i had to 
watch it again. This, it was much better for me the second time. It was. Some of the stuff that was going on in the real world, to me, was the most maybe uninteresting part of the film, like when they were interacting with the co- corporation and doing all that stuff, and these all the people were living in the junkyard with the van and everything. Well... Uh, it was it was one of it felt like an older Spielberg film, something that he would do. Video games, virtual reality. It was really cool. Um, and the guy that plays the uh, director Krennic in Rogue One, that played the bad guy in it, I can't remember his name. He's a great actor. He played the Skrull in Captain Such Marvel. A, yeah. He's a great actor. I really like him. Um, well, Spielberg's gonna remake another one. Oh, look, and we're about to take a break, so I'll have to wait till after. The, you don't know what it is. I thought I you knew what it was. He's about to attack another uh, remake. He's going to do another remake of a movie from the early 70s, an action film, which is a contains a classic little uh, action sequence in it. It's on there. Stand by. I'll tell you that what it is, unless you already know what it is, but we'll be back. We'll return after these announcements. When you need a little lift, but you just can't take a break, Chew Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. The cool, refreshing feeling of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum puts a little lift in everything you do. That nice, fresh flavor, that crisp, clean taste, that Wrigley's Spearmint Pickup is going for you. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum really keeps you humming. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum keeps you humming along. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum really keeps you humming. 16 million times a day, people everywhere enjoy a refreshing little lift chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, the cool, refreshing flavor that keeps you humming. It picks you up, it keeps you going, that Spearmint feeling's coming through. That little lift, it gets you, puts a hum in everything you do. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum really keeps you humming. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum keeps you humming along. I'm Gary Sandy. You know, of all the shows we've done on WKRP in the first three seasons, not one show ever generated the amount of mail, the amount of interest, as a show we did our very first season. It was called Turkeys Away. So we kind of thought you might like to see it again. It's about Thanksgiving. So naturally, we've chosen the Christmas season to show it to you. Happy holidays. Drums, please. It's a helicopter, and it's coming this way. Helicopter. It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner, and it says, uh, Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> From W-K-R-P. What a sight, ladies and gentlemen. What a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plumbing to, to the earth from only 2,000 feet into the air. There's no parachutes yet. Those can't be skydivers. I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're talking! Oh, they're crashing to the earth right in front of us. 
pushing each other. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the humanity. Oh, people are running about. Oh, the turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. It's okay if you don't understand what he's talking about. He probably doesn't either. It's BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online using the TuneIn Radio app. So I'm sitting here in the studio, and for some reason, the chair has slowly sunk down to the floor. <laughs> when you pull it back up, this is one of those office chairs that gets worn out, you know? And as you sit on it, it's like, down to the floor, because I hate them sit to the sit all the way to the bottom like that. I'd like to be suspended, you know, at least where my legs are pointed out a little bit. It may be that, or it may be I just big fat butt <laughs> i may just pay way too much well i do there's no doubt about that i want to remind everybody you know pat mccormick just texted you now what did he say we said the name wrong let's get it right because we want everybody to check out pat's uh podcast youtube channel right so i think it's retro tv retro trivia TV is his podcast trivia. right but the golden rage of tv is his uh is his regular thing that's on our show and his main yeah. channel and whatnot just want to make sure we got it uh just, just go right there. For the record, and follow both. For the record, that's right. Just go follow both of them, and you'll get you, one will direct you to the other one. I'm sure. Uh, someone passed away this week. I want to say it right quick. Uh, Robert Clary passed away. I think he was the last surviving uh, cast member of Hogan's Heroes. He he portrayed Corporal Louis LeBeau, hmm. the French LeBeau. On, uh, on <laughs> no LeBeau, <laughs> Latrine. That's different. And déjà vu. Um, on Hogan's Heroes. He was uh, the only, I know he did a lot of their stuff and I knew he was a singer, but the only other thing I really noticed him in was Robert Wise's, uh, the movie The Hindenburg. Back in 1976, he plays one of the guys on board The Hindenburg, huh. just one of the passengers. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. When I first saw The Hindenburg, I'm like, that's the guy from Hogan's Heroes. I recognize <laughs> him. So, uh, so he'll be missed. It's, it's, in, it's sad when the last surviving cast member of a show finally passes away it's just kind of kind of sad and it was sad too on the halloween special when walt told us the three stages of death the last part one was horrible because i'm like oh the last stage of death is everyone's gone from the face of the earth that knew and remembered who you were and i'm like that just to me that sounds worse than dying Aww. that sounds worse remember when he was telling us about it mm-hmm. that just feels bad i'm like now just remember there's a billions of tombstones on the earth with names on them that n- there's no one left alive that knew who they were i mean some people that were popular and actors and historical right. figures. Some people they'll last longer, and you'll talk on. about them. But there are some, you know, just soldiers on the battlefield that just died, and no one remembers who they were. And it's just kind of—I know you've moved on anyway, and you're gone to your last rewards. But that part of it's just kind of sad. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Well, let's go back to this. I don't know if this is going to be sad or not, but from Variety, you don't know the movie that Steven Spielberg is remaking. This is no, gaining I, I, legs all over the place. Since I didn't say it for the show, I know I, I said it off air. My guess was French Connection. French Connection. That's a good guess. An, all right, when you have an iconic quote action scene that's a good guess of that era when you're saying the 70s and i also told you the guy that directed we talked about uh the the glaive being in uh ready player one right. which is from crawl the guy who directed crawl directs this original movie that spielberg is is uh is uh remaking that didn't help either you want to give me an actor Did that help can i well get... if i gave the actor i think you'd get it i don't want to make it too easy Okay. Well, I, w- I want to see it just hit you when I say it. Okay, well, Bradley Cooper is set to star in this movie. He's set to star in the Steven Spielberg upcoming film, an original feature based on the character of character named Frank Bullitt, who was played by Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, Bullitt. The no-nonsense San Francisco cop, right, played by right. Steve in the 1968. I'm sorry, I said early 70s. It was 68. I thought it was early 70s, but that's close. Action thriller 
It's Bullet. The film is currently in development at Warner Brothers. Though plot details haven't been revealed, the forthcoming production is expected to follow Bullet on an entirely different exploit than the McQueen movie original. Well, of course, because you can't do the original stories in the 60s anymore because no. it wouldn't make sense. I guess. That makes sense because I remember it, watching car chases on all those streets was like... It's considered to have one of the best car chases and in cinematic history. And then all of a sudden, everybody said, well, we can do that too. And so everybody copycatted right. them. But. Now, Warner Brothers released the original Bullet which was directed by Peter Yates, who also directed Kroll, we said, based on the 1963 novel Mute Witness, is what became McQueen's most notable role, at least according to a lot of people. He portrayed the detective who investigates the death of a mob informant he was hired to protect. The movie is famous for including one of the most iconic and exciting, as we talked about, car chases in history with McQueen doing his own stunts and a modified Ford Mustang at the time is what he was driving. Bullet became a critical and commercial smash earning and this was really great for 1968 money, $42 million on a $4 million budget. That's not bad. That's like today's movies uh, costing, you know, three or $400 million and making, you know, $900 million or a $1 billion. It's just, it's just how much they make, you know, far away from their budget, you know. Now, Cooper, Bradley Cooper, will produce the uh, still-entitled movie with Steven Spielberg, m- marking their second collaboration following the upcoming Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, there's an upcoming, you know, the conductor, Leonard Bernstein, of the New York Philharmonic mm-hmm. that was big in classical music, uh, a biopic called Maestro, uh, based on Leonard Bernstein, that Bradley Cooper is playing, that Steven Spielberg is directing. Interesting. McQueen's son, Chad McQueen, and granddaughter, Molly McQueen, will also executive produce this movie. So they're involved as well. So maybe that gives it a blanket of, of nostalgia and, uh, and, and gravitas hmm. having them involved in a remake of Bullet. I don't know if it's going to be called Bullet. If it's going to call it something else, maybe they'll call it the original title. What was the original title of the book? Uh, the Mute Witness? Mute Witness. Maybe they'll call it that. I thought there was a movie that came out called Mute Witness. I know there was a movie called Witness with Harrison Ford. Totally separate. I thought there might have been something called Mute Witness. That rings a bell to me somehow. Uh, i got a few minutes before the show is over. Let's squeeze in some of these. Next next Saturday, my show will be after Thanksgiving. This, this, as we record this and do the show, Thanksgiving is this upcoming Thursday. Uh, little facts and history about Thanksgiving from history.com. Uh, what did they eat at the first Thanksgiving? What do, what do you think they ate? I guarantee it was not turkey. Somebody may have ate a turkey. I don't know if they cooked one or not. Sure but think about where they were. The Thanksgiving meal in Plymouth probably had little in common with today's Fish? traditional holiday spread. Although turkeys were indigenous, there was no record of big a big roasted bird at the feast. Uh, the, the Indians brought deer, and there would have been a lot of local seafood, mussels, lobsters, uh, sea bass. Hey, I would, have, I would have went for lobster for their Thanksgiving. That would have been great. Plus the fruits of the first pilgrim harvest, including pumpkin. So they did have that. Yeah. Uh, no mashed potatoes, though. Potatoes had only been recently shipped back to Europe from South America. So none of the regular standard fare of mashed potatoes. That would be cool. I don't have, Someone's calling. I don't know if I have enough time to take a call right now. It's nearing the end of the program. When did America first call for a national Thanksgiving? Remember the year or the time they decided to do that? Well, I know George Washington wrote an, an initial letter. You're right. America called for the National Day of Thanksgiving to celebrate uh, the victory of the British at the Battle of Saratoga. In 1789, George Washington again called for National Day of Thanks on the last Thursday of November to commemorate the end of the Revolutionary War and the ratification of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So even Thanksgiving is kind of tied into the It's a great letter if you've ever had a chance to read the letter from Washington about the Thanksgiving, about yes. being and, thankful for this land and the fact that 
there is a creator yes. that bestowed upon us blessings, and we should take time, no matter how hard our lives are, to be oh, yeah. thankful for the land we have. And during the Civil War, both the Confederacy and the Union issued Thanksgiving Day proclamations following their major victories, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Uh, I don't have time to do all these. Let's skip through these. Remember how a botched Thanksgiving order led to the TV tray dinner? Botched Thanksgiving order. Botched. A botched order led to the TV tray dinner. In 1953, an employee of C.A. Swanson and Sons overestimated demand for Thanksgiving turkeys, and the company was left for some 260 tons of extra frozen birds. As a solution, a Swanson salesman ordered 5,000 aluminum trays, devised a turkey meal, and recruited an assembly line of workers to compile what would become the first TV tray dinners. That's that's awesome. A culinary hit was born in the first full year of production in 1954. The company sold 10 million turkey TV tray dinners. There you go. A Think that guy TV got a raise? Thursday. I would have made him the <laughs> assistant CEO or whatever. Put him way up there. When was the first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade to celebrate the expansion Ooh. of its Herald Square Superstore? Macy's announced its very first big Christmas parade two weeks before Thanksgiving in 1924, promising magnificent floats, bands, and an animal circus. A huge success, Macy's trimmed the parade route from six miles. It used to be six miles long to begin with. Six-mile parade. Wow. They trimmed it to two miles and signed a TV contract with NBC to broadcast the now-famous Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We are two years away from a 100th anniversary. Isn't that crazy? And I wonder what they got planned. It'd be great to know if they got something going on. When did the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade start featuring balloons? I wonder. They didn't at first. The first oversized balloons uh, debuted in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade in 1927, so it has been quite some time ago. The brainchild of Anthony Frederick Sarg, a German-born puppeteer and theatrical designer who also created Macy's fantastical Christmas window displays, which were legendary that I hear in the time. The first balloons were filled with oxygen, not helium. That year, they featured Felix the Cat and inflated animals like elephants, tigers, and giant hummingbirds. So, I, mean, I don't think pretty, I've ever seen a giant hummingbird balloon pretty before. Quick after, so, I mean, it's the third year after it debuted. They said, yeah. you know, we need something to, something up above the crowd. Filled so. with oxygen where we can blow everybody up in case there's an explosion. Isn't that... You no, know, they they feel that the, the, the Hindenburg was... He, was helium. Uh, was not helium. No, hydrogen. No, it was filled with hydrogen. That was, hydrogen. A, that was even more combustible <laughs> than anything else. So, yeah. If you've never... And that ties in with Robert Wise bringing up the, uh, the Zeppelin uh, Hindenburg again. If you've never seen the movie, you know, I, I, I compare it to Titanic. It's a movie with a story, dramatic dramatic story written around a historical event. That's what basically what Titanic was. It was a love story mm-hmm. written around a historical event. The Hindenburg is the same. To me, it's, uh, if, if not just as good a film or if maybe a better film than, than Titanic, because I love Titanic. Everybody catches grief for loving that it's movie because it's awards. overblown <laughs> it's it's just so overdone and overblown and i thought it was the greatest movie ever made i like titanic i cannot lie and go oh, i didn't like titanic i thought it was a well-crafted james cameron movie mm-hmm. so did steven spielberg and a lot of other people liked it the hindenburg didn't do as well but it was a very well done movie about the hindenburg crossing the ocean coming from germany to uh to new jersey and yes it blows up at the end you know how it's going to end but in the movie, it's it's a bomb that's on board. It's a conspiracy, and that's the way they went with that. And it was very interesting. I'm not giving it away. It's an old movie. so. But watch The Hindenburg. It's pretty interesting. Ha- Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll be back next week. It's BK on there. See you on the podcast. Don't you know nothing about the history of country, the history of Thanksgiving, about the first turkey? Yeah, they told it in school. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the real story. <laughs> when the Pilgrim Fathers, when they seen the first Thanksgiving coming up on the calendar, you know? 
They said we ought to have something special to eat. So, they sent this guy Miles Sandwich out there to France. And he was the guy that brought back the turkey. Now, he first wanted a buffalo. See, but the buffaloes all went west. And then he would have went with a horse. But uh, a horse is too fast, he couldn't catch a horse. <laughs> and then he would have picked some other bird, but then all the other birds, they could fly. So he looked around him, and he seen a turkey standing there. Turkey couldn't run, turkey couldn't fly. So he said, well, we'll eat this dumbbell. <laughs> so grab a hold of the turkey, strangle it, brung it home to the women, they done the rest. Did they stuff it with gizzards? No, as I recall, they used uh, corn, because corn let them know when the turkey was cooked. Wow. Well, see, the corn uh, swells up, then it explodes, blows the rear end out of the bird. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly.